get fired up. Oh yeah! Performance, Performance enhancing, enhancing audio. audio. This is the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell. Hey, wait a minute, that's BC's line. Listen everybody, it's your boy Sugar Rashad Evans. And your boy BC is out on vacation with his family at his birthday last week. And hopefully he's having a good time because I know he's missing being here with you all. As you know, this is our weekly breakdown. And uh, today we have a special guest, one of my good friends, uh, one of my brothers in training, Tyrone Spung, who uh, is is absolutely a legend in the fight game. When you're talking about an athlete who has done it all from mixed martial arts to kickboxing to now currently boxing, you're speaking of one in Tyrone Spung, who has made his transition from kickboxing to boxing, and you know now light heavyweight Latino champion, um, and just you know former. WFCA cruiserweight champion, glory champion, so many champions, so many accolades. I can be here all day naming everything you've done, Tyrone Spong. Say what's up to the people. Good morning. What's up, guys? Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Um, looking forward to uh, breaking down some stuff with you guys. And uh, I like the introduction, brother. I love it. <laughs> I mean, listen, it's not what my boy BC, Brian Campbell, gives me on a normal basis, but I, I try to do my best. Now, Tyrone, we haven't, uh, you know, spoke to you on this, on this podcast yet. Um, how have you been doing with everything that's been going on? What's been going on? What's new with you? Um, with the whole pandemic situation, um, I, I deal with it okay because uh, I'm a guy who likes to be at home. Uh, with the family, with the animals, um, and work on the yard. So that on itself hasn't changed much. Uh, the fact that the gym, the gyms are, um, were closed for a long time, and we have a, a threat now that it might be going back to that. That, that is something that's frustrating. Um, the traveling um restrictions uh it's it's also unclear right now and that's something that makes it very uh frustrating uh the fact that uh not any fight shows are getting put up uh, uh you know only the ufc is doing that at the moment um but right now you see some uh, light at the end of the tunnel because some promoters are going to start putting up events but it's uh, it's it's hard, and um, I don't you know not just for myself, but I feel for all the other fighters that are not with uh, either the UFC or or another big promotion that that's willing to put up the money for the testing, the flights, etc. Because uh, it 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 adds it adds up. Yeah, it does, man. I think the UFC's done a good job as just being the pioneers out there. You know, pretty much showing everybody how to handle uh, an athletic event. Um, you know, dealing with this pandemic and everything that has to do with testing. But uh, we can jump back into boxing a little bit later on. Right now, let's get into the last fight on the fight card on Fight Island, uh, Whitaker versus Till. Great main event, um, a lot of back and forth action. You know, it was really a game of inches in, in this fight. Um, you, we, we did see Whitaker get the nod, and, you know, I definitely agree with that decision. But it, yeah. it was a, definitely a great contested fight by Darren Till. I felt as if like he gave a good representation for himself, but I felt like he was just missing when it came to just initiating uh, more offense. I felt like he played the counter game a little bit too long, and it allowed Robert Whitaker to get into his movement. Uh, I guess I mean his rhythm, which inevitably ended up costing Darren Till the fight. Yeah, Tyrone, would you see? Um, I, I, I thought the fight was very interesting, especially for uh, the former champ, Robert, to come back after a loss uh, against a very dangerous and game opponent in Darren Till. Um, you could see that Robert himself was uh, a little bit gun-shy as well, a little hesitant. Um, I, would, I would love for him to, you know, I, I have a... I have a a habit that when I look at fighters, I I um, I wish 
that I could, you know, give my my input on on that. I wish that I was in the corner, and if I was in his corner at that moment, I would I would advise him to put it more together. Um, don't don't count on the one heavy shot. He was he was thrown heavy letter, but you know I would like to have him use a little bit more feints on on his part. And Darren, yeah, he was uh, he was doing good the first round, but the second round he got clipped, and from that moment he got very careful because you know you got to respect Robert's uh, power. Uh, but it was a very entertaining fight, and uh, I agree with the win. Um, Robert did good, and uh, I guess this brings him back into title uh, contention. Yeah, I thought that um, Darren Till did a really good job of being a counter striker, but I felt as if, like, you know, he waited a little bit too long, and, and he was getting the right angle because you've seen, you know, he was soft fall versus traditional fighter, so sometimes you'll see him get perfect angle where he'll just crack that straight left hand down the middle. And then before Robert Whitaker can adjust and get off the line, it was like Darren Till already knew where he was going and he started firing that uppercut right at the perfect timing. So Darren Till did show that he did, you know, ha had the, 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 the counter strike in to come up with, you know, not one combination, but with, with two uh, great punches. But when it came to just like dictating the fight as far as, you know, from an offensive standpoint, I just felt like he never really got into it. It felt as if like, and this is a great fight. Like I've seen, like I talked to a lot of fighters about fakes and feints and the importance of fakes and feints. If you want to break down and you want to teach somebody the importance of fakes and feints, I think this right here is, is a perfect, uh, perfect example. fight to show anybody. Perfect yeah. example, because you have both of these fighters who fought tremendously and it was all predicated basically on who was going to win the game of the fakes. Both of these guys are amazing um, fakes and feigners. And it was just a clinic of both of that. And, we seen Robert Whitaker come out with the edge, but Darren Till was definitely had him in his bag with some of those uh, fakes and feints he did. Yeah, I mean Darren is is still a young athlete. I I think he's only twenty seven now or twenty eight, something like that. He has time to work, but he definitely proved that he's uh, he's up there um, and and he has the right to be there. Um, I um I think that Darren should use a little bit more of his jab, um his his movement. He's very fast for for uh for that weight as well. Um, you could see that every time Robert tried to con counter, um, he was out of there. Uh, like you said, it, it it seemed like he knew what Robert was gonna do, but that was just mainly also because of his speed and his reading ability of his opponent. Um, and with Robert, um, I think, you know, Robert is, is amazing. He, he, he was the champ for a reason. He did very well. Uh, I like the oblique kicks that he used as well. Uh, there's uh, been some complaints about that, you know, but I mean, we're in the that, that, that oblique kick that he threw. It, it actually, uh, it actually it messed up, um, Darren Till's knee to the point where he thought he, he made it like a blew out of ACL or had some serious damage to the knee. And that's something that with the oblique kick has been talked about when John Jones is using it. a lot of people are like, yo, we shouldn't be, you know, allowed to use those because it can end somebody's career. But then at the same time, I mean, we are in a hurt business. We're trying to hurt each other. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know we, we, it's not something that's illegal. Um, I mean, you know, you got to try to do everything uh, to to have an advantage and 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 win the fight, you know I I don't think that Robert wanted to uh, uh, you know purposely hurt uh, Till to a point that he ends his career. He just I I just want to hurt you to a point that I win my fight, you know. And I think that's the same mindset that Robert had in there. Yeah. So what do you think is next for Robert Whitaker, who just ch challenged for the title and now? <laughs> Uh, had one bounce back fight. Do you think the the next best fight for him is another crack at the title, or do you think another contender like Kenny uh, Cannonier or Hermanson should be somebody that uh, is better for him? I I, I would like to see him against Cannonier. Um, honestly, he needs to work on his, uh, you know, on his on his arsenal. To be honest, because we're talking about the champ. Uh, Israel Adesanya, 
and he's such a well-rounded fighter at the moment. You know, there were some games about his takedown defense and his ground game, but look, look what 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 he did. He he became a ch- champion in such a rapid time, and at the same time, he fought um, Joel Romero, who was probably one of the best wrestlers in the whole UFC, and he came out uh, the champ victorious. Um, I don't think if if I was Robert's advisor or or manager, I wouldn't take this fight too soon uh, again. You know, I would I would yeah. I would fight against uh, Cannonier, get get some rounds in, work on my skill set, and then after that challenge uh, challenge for the title again. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I, th- I think when I watch Whitaker, I love what he does. I love what he does, um, but. One thing that's been one of his calling cards that has helped him, but now I think it's kind of in a place where it can go either way, is his 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 uh, his blitzing style. His blitzing style has has got him to be a champion and has brought him so long so far along the way. But now I think that everyone is starting to catch on to it, and I think the Israel Adesanya fight was the one where people started to really understand the timing of his blitzing and how to counter it. So now yeah. his, his blitzing is something that's being countered easy. But I think the problem with his blitzing is not so much of the blitz itself. It's where he is after he finishes with the blitz. You know, defensively speaking, responsibly, he's not. You know, he, he, he ends off, you know, on the, on, the, on the power side, with his head on the power side of the blitz, you know, yeah. and, and, it should, and it should be on the other side. It should be on the weak side of the blitz. I, so that way I, the guy I has to, to change his feet around. I want to cut in there. It's just that that style, seeing that Israel is coming from a kickboxing background, um, it's just too simple, you know? It's just a little bit too simple for Israel Adesanya. He can read that very yeah. quickly, you know? And and um, the, the, the reason is because he has faced so many different strikers, Um in his in his previous career in kickboxing, so it it simplifies it for him in MMA. I mean, it's too simple. The attacks that Robert uh, uh, um, uh, attacks with, he, he, yeah. it, it's too, it's just too simple for him, too and simple. he reads through them. And um, the fact that Robert is blitzing is not that that bad. It's actually a really good trade. Uh, especially with the small gloves in MMA. But the thing is, you got to get out of the way after that. And that's something that I didn't see in his last fight. But I'm a big fan of Robert. I like him, um, not only as a as a as an athlete, as a fighter, but as a human being. I like uh, how he conducts himself, uh, you know, in his interviews and everything. Very likable guy, but very vicious inside of the octagon. So uh, um, I'm rooting for him. But uh, I would, you know, I would, as his manager or advisor, I wouldn't take the, the Adesanya fight. It was, that was his, his uh, last fight before the Darren Till fight and to jump back right into it. Um, it, it doesn't give you the time to change up whatever is lacking and um, it's going to be the same result in my opinion. Yeah, and, and also that, that fight was so emotionally charged. It almost yes. ruined the fight game for uh, Robert Whitaker because... As you know, you know, you've been along with me when you have those, those, those big fights and you've even had those big emotional fights where you're going against your rival, you know, and it yeah. just takes so much out of you on a level. And to lose to your rival, uh, it, it takes, a, takes a lot to put the wind back in your sails to say, you know what, let me try this again. You know, after the whole fallout happened, Robert Whitaker had problems with, with his, you know, his coaching staff and everything where he was just, you know, talking to him about the fact that, he didn't feel like he was able to communicate effectively in order to get the best out of his performance, you know, and that's something that happens once you climb the top and you face the best guys, you know, you, you, you go through that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, the, the thing is uh, in a situation like that to stay calm uh, at all times and not let your emotions uh, overrule. And um, that's why I think that it would give, him some time to work on his skill set, work on a tactic, uh, tactical plan uh, for the Adesanya rematch. I mean, because it's going to come down the pipeline anyways. 
you know um he's the champion robert is the number one contender um on paper he should get the the next shot for the title but as his team and with the ufc and everything i would i would have him fight one other contender work on my skill set work on my game plan and my and my arsenal sharpen my tools and get back in there calm and collective um and that's one of the biggest thing that robert always had is that he's super calm you see how he conducts himself he doesn't think about uh you know the 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 opponent and the 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 rivalry uh, that much but you could see that the fight with Adesanya that it got under his skin and yeah. um he was a little bit too emotional um overextended himself overcommitted and that's what led to the result of that fight yeah so now we have Darren Till Darren Till had a uh wasn't a um a bad performance at all I think by Darren Till I just felt as if like like I said before he just waited a little bit too long but not to dive into what he didn't do right uh any you know much longer what do you see next for Darren Till who is a fan favorite who is kind of finding his his way at the, at um at middleweight you know he was a struggle for the longest time to make 170 but now at middleweight he he's looking like this is like he should have made this move a long time ago not only yeah. on a physical basis but just on a mental basis it looks like it looks as if like he's having fun again correct um uh yeah you know he he uh he lost this fight against uh the former champ which is not a shame um i think i think darren uh, should just uh take on all comers he proved that you know robert whitaker is arguably one of the most dangerous men in 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 the division and he just uh, lost a close fight to him so that means that you should just uh, get as many fights in as possible if you want to become the champ and that's ultimately everybody's goal. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And and I think that um like you said, man, it's just it's just chipping away at the top and just making sure that you stay relevant. Um as far as next challenges with him, you know, you, you um we have uh so so many ways you can go with him just because of the fact that he's one of those guys where you know he's building himself at the division but at the same time he's such a fan favorite and exciting it's going to be exciting to see what they do with Darren Till but before we break down the rest of the fights let's take a quick break to hear our friends and sponsors and we are back to finish breaking down the fights at Fight Island we move to the co-main event with Shogun and Little Nog And this one was one for the ages Tyrone. It was oh my god. This, this is uh, <laughs> a fight that, that these guys been battling each other two decades, bro. Yeah, it it was it was a great fight, man. Um both of these guys uh we we knew coming in this fight, you know, they they both didn't have a lot of tread on their tires, but we did know one thing that they saved enough tread for each other. Yes. And uh it, it it was it was a great fight, you know, um Nogueira uh many would say over the hill but what he showed in that fight was just you know that he still has the power the power is the last to go and yeah. um e- even even the cagingness the smartness in the cage he fought very well as well i mean very well you know he's these are guys who uh they're 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 fast twitching their their um i guess their athleticism has been been eroded away a little bit just by the battles that they had in the cage but it's good to see that it was a, a fun fight for the fans Yeah, you see you you could see the experience in in Nogueira. Um every time he uh, he got rocked or he he needed a breather, he was moving uh moving along in the octagon taking his distance. Uh that left hand, oh my god, it cracked Shogun uh, a few times, blew up his eye, hurt him bad, wobbled him a few times. Was uh this this fight was much closer than uh, the other fights um going either way but you know i i could live with the decision it was um it was very entertaining and it's it's nice to see that the guys showed that even at their age you know i mean 
Lil Nog is 44, if I have it right. And he still put on uh, three rounds of action and uh, excitement. So uh, it was it was a very, very entertaining fight for these guys. It really was, fans. man. It really was. But but now, I mean, I mean, it, it's to the point now. I mean, we've seen them both go. I mean, they're... I mean, Shogun is is younger, is a younger guy. I think he's like a 38 or 37 years old, but he's got so much wear on him. But I mean, is it is it time, Tyrone? I mean, I know we don't like to say this as as fighters ourselves, but is it time? You think? Oh, for for Shogun or for uh, for either for, of them? For e for either of them? For either of them? I mean, I mean, you know, look. <laughs> um, I do think that you, myself, because I'm looking not as just an analyst, I'm looking as a competitor at the same time. And um, you see that old man movement. Yeah, that's a little stiff in the legs and everything. Uh, you could see it a little bit more with, with Lil Nog. I mean, if you, if you match him up against a, a, a young lion, he's going to get hurt. You know, yeah. the, 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 the reaction time is a little slower. But, you know, these guys have done so much for the company. If they want to keep competing, match them up uh, accordingly. Mm -hmm. And they can keep going a little bit more. But yeah. right now, if, if I would have put um, uh, a little knock against, against uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson or or uh, 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 somebody else uh, uh, in that the, in the yeah that 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 moves uh, Anthony Smith. I mean that that's just asking for trouble in my opinion. You know you gotta yeah. have, uh, match these guys up um, accordingly. I mean um, that's what you want as a as a promotion. Anyways, you want to entertain the fans. So you know, and these guys prove that they can entertain the fans because everybody was um ecstatic about the fight so give them the right fights against the right opponents um don't you know obviously don't have them go on till the 50 something in mma that's just not you know realistic um yeah so uh, i do think it's time um you know but at the same time they can keep going if they're being matched up accordingly which they proved uh, uh last night yeah, that's 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 so true, man. I think I think the matching up accordingly is a key to to when you have these older fighters. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Um, like like you said, the la the legs are the first to go. When you notice the spring in the legs, you notice how them legs just don't just don't bounce the way they used to. Even when they get hit, they kind of <laughs> they kind of kind of dance a little more in your mind. And but the legs are like, hold up, I'm yeah. not going anywhere. You know? So <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. All right, let's move along down the card here. Verdum versus Gustafsson. Now, going into this fight, I had a lot of faith in my boy Gustafsson. I, I just knew that he was the missing link to the heavyweight division. I thought he was going to be the one to bring the heavyweight division into a prominence like we see the 155 division or the 170 division, meaning in the fact that there was going to be a lot more competition coming to yeah. the heavyweight division. And I thought Gustafson was that guy. I mean, he's got great amateur boxing skills. Not only that, he has great ability to take a guy down when he decides. He has great takedown defense. He has great grappling. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. I mean, he has all the trimmings. He has all, he, not only that, he has the size. He has every single thing that would just make him be that guy at, heavyweight and especially now that he went up and he doesn't have to cut that weight anymore and now he can finally just be and you know what it is to just be as a fighter just wake up and just eat what you want to and then go and train mm -hmm. it's a vacation it's it's lovely yep. it's a place yep. where you want to be so i was happy he got to that place but i was just disappointed with what i seen i just didn't see the 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 and sin that I thought I was gonna see. I mean, for the most part, even on the feet, I felt as if like his jab it was fast, but it wasn't as clean as it needed to be. I felt like it could have been clean. I felt like it should have been cleaner. I felt like his jab just was not that clean because you seen him 
with the right arm when he was throwing it, you know, it was kind of like bow and arrow a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then when he got taken down, he, he you got to know when, when Fabrizio gets you on the ground, you got to, you got to do everything in your power to get back up. There is no grappling with you with, with, with uh, Fabrizio. I, I, I rolled with Fabrizio a few times and every single time he got a hold of me, it was like, he's going to find a tap. He's going to find a way to get it, man. So he, he is. It's a wrap. Once you go to the ground with Fabricio, it's a wrap. I mean, you know, um, I was maybe a little biased beforehand because I'm good friends with Fabricio, but I'm going to keep it professional. Um, I did think that um, uh, Gustafsson could uh, cause a lot of problems on the feet. Uh, especially, like you said, with his boxing. He has cri very crisp hands, his jab. Um, he proved it in the fight with Glover Teixeira, you know, the uppercut. Um, uh, his his, his uh, octagon IQ, the, the way he uses the cage, um, his grappling skills. He's just um, one of the first uh, in a new generation of a complete MMA fighter. Um, but at the same time, you have to keep in mind that, you know, even though this is probably his natural weight and he doesn't have to cut, you got to get used to competing, going into battle uh, with this exact weight because he, um, his whole career, he fought at 205. Mm -hmm. You know, this was his first fight at heavyweight. And to do it against a, a very dangerous opponent um, in Fabricio, I probably think that they made a mistake. You know, they watched Fabricio's last, last performance and they thought that was, you know, he was either done, washed up or whatever, but he proved them wrong. Um, I mean, wait, Tyrone, Ty Ty wait, not for nothing, though. He did mm -hmm. get outstruck by possibly the worst strikers in the heavyweight division. And uh, Alexi Olenek. I mean, yeah, not, not, nothing they, against Olenek. I love his style. I love his his, yeah. his, his Ezekiel choke. His, strike, his yeah. striking is just not, not nowhere near nah, the level. You, you probably you probably have to keep a professional. I can say his his, his striking is trash. That's what you want to say. <laughs> yeah, so that that's what it is. But at the same time, um, we we were just that. That's a lot of people don't know it. But I spoke to uh, Fabricio. Um, during the camp, and he was training by himself uh, with his brother, who was not his normal pet holder, uh, doing just fats and, and running a little bit. He had no sparring. Um, it was his first fight back after a long, long, long suspension. So, you know, he was rusty as hell. And you got you to gotta understand that Fabricio is up there in age as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for him... At that age, after uh, a very, very long suspension, coming back, uh, not a real camp, um, then you have to deal with the nerves and, 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 and everything before a fight um, going against there. And, you know, Olenek has a, has a style that makes everybody look a little ugly, you know? Yeah, so, I know. <laughs> I know. So I know. It's, it's, it's just a very sloppy, gritty style of fighting. Um, and And... Fabricio, you know, he didn't look good, but now Fabricio had a proper camp. He was with his uh, old, co old coach, Ravel Cardero, and they looked amazing. I mean, it was, yeah, his, yeah. Uh, was his last fight on his contract, so he's a free agent now. What a better way to go out. That was, that was a great way to go out because, at the, I mean, you know, being 44 years old and even, even listening to what Dana was talking about in um, when a few times he was asked about Fabricio and him being on his last fight. And, uh, you know, Dana gave pause because he was like, you know, Fabricio, he's getting up there, you know? So that wasn't the sign or the sound as if like, you know, we're going to sign him again. You know what I'm saying? Especially after with, you know, with, 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 uh, with the way he fought. And honestly speaking, I don't even know how Dana's and, and, and Fabricio's relationship really is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if they're like, like Dana's in love with Fabrizio. I know they've had their problems in the past or whatnot, but um, it just didn't sound like Dana was too confident about, you know, about uh, bringing him back if he was yeah, to lose we, his fight. We, 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 we can't forget, Dana is a businessman, you know? Yeah. If, it, if it's good business, it makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, he's not in a, 
he's not in this to make friends. He's he's in this to do good business. And yeah. um, the way that Fabricio performed, um, I mean, yeah. Gustafsson went to war with John Jones twice. He went to war with, with DC. DC. Yeah. I mean, um, um, and we're talking about DC, who was the heavyweight champion of the world. I yeah. mean, and and the fact that um, he he performed so well against these two guys. DC was former heavyweight champion of the world. John Jones is arguably one of the best, if not the best fighter in MMA ever. Um, so for Verdum to finish a guy in the first round like that, I mean, it says a lot about Verdum. Absolutely, it sure does. And I mean, just even a mindset, the mental mindset of being able to overcome after everyone said that you're out and to um, to do it. And, and, and listen, I mean, Fabrizio's had a lot of fights, but fighting in this pandemic is different, you know, and just no crowd and, and you know, not having that familiar feeling that you've been used to your whole fighting career is now gone. You know, it's taking the most experienced as fighters and it's turning them into a novice because it's just such a new dynamic. Not only do they have to get used to the new dynamic of, of competing in a quiet place, but then also as you spoke about and you kind of touched upon, you know, uh, Fabricio's last camp where he was trained by his brother, you know, they're not getting yeah. the, 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 the team training in there in some places where they're not able to uh, go to the gym. So we're, we're seeing a, a different, um, a different type of competing when it comes to these athletes competing in this pandemic, because it's not always about the X's and O's. It's about sometimes if you can just even find a good training schedule that, that, that means that you can get a good training camp in, you know? Uh, to be honest, I kind of like this whole pandemic fighting. Um, I think it brings back the origin of the, of the fight game, which is two warriors going in there and duke it out, you know? And mm-hmm. um, I kind of, I kind of like that, you know, and um, just your focus is different. You got no distractions. Um, even though, you know, with the crowd, uh, fires perform great, don't get me wrong, but you can always be distracted by something that happens in the crowd, something you see in your, in the corner of your eye or whatever, and that's not there now. You can hear your coaches very clearly. Uh, one advantage is if you listen good, you can hear the other corner as well from your yeah, opponent. Absolutely. I mean, um, it, 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 it's it's certainly different, but it's it's very attractive to to fight in this pandemic to be honest it is man it is let's move along let's move along here so uh habib he said that he wants to retire at 30 and no and that's two more fights left um before he retires uh and it just came out that Habib uh, is going to fight Justin Gaethje. The fight has been announced for October 24th. Uh, so this is this is um, something that's pretty huge. I mean, we've been waiting in the wings to see when Habib is, is going to make this fight happen or when the fight's going to be able to happen because he just lost his father, his main training partner, his main tra- I mean, his main coach, and uh, to, to COVID. So... Um, it's a very tough, trying time. It's been a very tough, trying year for Habib. And, um, you know, my heart goes out to him. So it's exciting to see that a date is set. Uh, it's just um, one of those things that, you know, as a friend of Habib or somebody who knows him pretty well, you know, I just, I just have a heavy heart knowing that the person who he competes for is no longer with him. Yeah. And, and I know how it is to compete for a coach. You know, I used I, uh, Michael Van Arsdale was the coach who I competed for. It, it didn't matter w- what happened. I competed for him. I just wanted to win for him. And when yeah, I didn't win for him, yeah, when I didn't win for him, that was like a, that was a double loss for me, you know? Yeah. So I, I definitely can see that, man. I mean, it's, it's um, you know, life, life, and everything works in mysterious ways. My opinion, you know, we um, we could be proof that nothing in the fight game can get to him, you know, and he built his legacy and everything. And it's going to be very interesting uh, to see 
what kind of Khabib shows up with this missing big, huge missing link um, in his whole life, his career. Because uh, we're not just talking about a coach. We're talking about his father, the man that gave him life. Um, who, Like you said, who is competing for, who is not going to be around for this fight in any shape or form because he's not here anymore. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so intrigued. I, I, I love, I loved his father. You know, I had the pleasure of, 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 of talking to the father, working with the father um, and, and just, uh, you know, uh, making some, some wrestling moves with him and just the mindset. He, he, the father was a real, a general, as you, if if you may say, you know, as a, a soldier, real warriors, and um, life throws this, this now at Khabib, so that we could see what he's made of, what kind of Khabib is going to show off, because he clearly proved that nothing in the fight game can get to him to break him, you know. So this is something that's only going to add more to his legacy. If he comes out uh, victorious against against uh, Justin Gaichi, I mean, it would be tremendous. I mean, it, it's kind of cruel and crazy for me to say, but that's really what it is, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Now you spoke about his legacy. There's one fight that we that's been talked about that kind of goes along with his two fights in out. One would be the Justin Gaichi. The other one which was talked about before the Gaethje fight was solidified, is a fight between GSP and Habib. I mean, that's something that Dana White himself said. I don't know. Obviously, he has his Gaethje fight that he has, that he has, to, that he has to get done. He said, um, but, I mean, it, it, it's something that, that definitely can, can happen, you know. Uh, he said, um, no clue. No, no, I mean, no. You, 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 at first, at first, Dana was not very much for it because, no. because you know, uh, here came GSP. He beat Michael Bisping, became champ, and he walked away and he left the the fish and champless. And you know, Dana was like, "What the hell? You come back, you win. I'm not gonna give you a fight anymore." So the fight was kind of off the table, but now. I think because this was his father's wish and a dream that Khabib had to fight GSP because they see him as the best ever, I think this just might be a reason for Dana and everybody in the UFC to say, you know what, this guy did everything he said he was going to do he won it all. He became the champion. He can build an amazing legacy by fighting GSP. You know what? We're going to make the fight happen. And that, that is exactly what I think is, is going to happen. Well, here's, here's, here's what Dana said, though. Here's what he said. So he said, he's fighting Justin Gaethje next. Then I don't know who his last fight would be to make him 30. You know, I don't know. No clue. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, the Conor McGregor fight. I know Conor, Conor has always wanted to fight that fight since the last one. I mean, that is the fight to make. I don't know. Again, we will see th- how this all plays out. But the Gaethje fight is an absolute, positively, the next fight for him. So it sounds to me like in, in, that, in that, that word play that he was saying that, yeah, I mean, the GSP fight does sound good. But listen, at the end of the day, we got to make money. And, 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 and right that, now, that GSP ain't, ain't over Conor McGregor for that last 30 fight, you know? So, I mean, and, 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 and that's the thing. That's the thing. I mean, Dana for sure is going to think like, yo, let's, let's break bank one more time against Conor. But, you know, ultimately it's going to be up to if, if Khabib and his team, which they will because Ali um, – Abdelaziz, who is uh, uh, Khabib's manager, is um, the best manager in MMA. He has uh, a powerhouse, a stable full of, you know, just super athletes. Um, I think 
if they play it right, which I think they will, they can demand that uh, GSP fight, which will make stupid money as well. You know, um, it's it's all up to Khabib eventually. You know, uh, mm-hmm. if he wants to accept the Conor fight or not. He said that he wouldn't fight Conor again because that's his punishment for for all the 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 shit that Conor did. Yeah. Uh, and said, and you know, um, I, I, I honestly would would stick with it. I, I would do that. I wouldn't give, I wouldn't give Connor the fight, you know. And especially with with Habib's father that passed, depending on how he felt about him fighting Connor again, it yeah. all depends if that fight is going to happen again. So and, and, I don't know what that conversation was like. You know, if if his dad said there's a no go with that fight, then that fight is it's not happening. A He's always going to honor his uh, father's wishes. That's that's one thing that I know for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Tyrone, we're going to jump into some rapid-fire questions with Tyrone. We want to talk about – let's look forward to some of these boxing schedules, you know, for the rest of the year. You talked about uh, some of these other events, um, other promoters starting to get off the ground in the beginning of the podcast – Let's take a look at some of these uh, fights. First, starting August first, uh, we got we got Stephen Fulton Jr. Mm-hmm. versus Angelo Leo. You know much about any of these guys? I do, I do, but I know I kind of know the schedule, and I wanna, you know, I wanna. Which 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 which, which, which one which one which one excites you the most out of the? So you have you have. Let me let me just read out the schedule. You have uh, you have August. August 1st, Stefan Fulton Jr. versus Angelo Leo. Uh, August 15th, we have David Benavides versus uh, Romero. Uh, I'm sorry, Angelo. And then we Angulo. have Angulo. Angulo. Is that, is that Angulo? Yes. Yeah, Angulo. Then we have uh, September 19th. You know Angulo, right? Don't you? You know Angulo, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So that that's definitely one of the fights that I look forward to because um, we actually started our boxing career um, at the same time, um, and um, this is a a huge, huge fight for him. He's fighting a a very dangerous opponent, the champ. Uh, he's fighting for the title, and um, I'm rooting. I'm rooting for Angulo. It's not gonna be an easy test. Very difficult fight, but uh, I'm I'm so proud to see um, him fighting for the world title now, and uh, I'm definitely excited about that one. And uh, I'm gonna tune in and 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 support my guy. Absolutely. So, what uh, what do you think about this? Um, a big fight got signed this weekend, Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. I mean, that's not for the pound-for-pound pound list by any means or any championship, but that's for a different kind of championship. That's for, I guess, for the fans. What, what do you think about that matchup? Man, that, that fight blows almost, almost everything else out of the water. I mean, you know, we're talking about Mike. <laughs> we're talking about Mike and Roy Jones. These, these are – this is – this is going to be hard for me to watch, even though it's an exhibition fight. I know that, you know, these guys probably won't take it easy on each other. At, at least that's what I expect. Um, and the crazy thing is I know both of them. <laughs> I know both of the guys, and they're two of my just all-time favorites, you know. I, I, I love both of these guys so much and for what they've done for the sport. And just them as as humans, they're such interesting characters. Just you know, once you hang around them, you talk to them, you want to know more about them. So, for me, this is um, a fight that that's just a fantasy fight coming to reality. Yeah, absolutely. Let me get some rapid fire questions from you. I'm just going to ask you some questions, and you kind of just give me like a little short answer. Okay. So the first question is going to be, who's your favorite boxer? Kickboxer, MMA guy to watch. Oh, this this is difficult. I mean, my favorite boxers. Um, I just said it. It I can't pick one of them, you know. But it's Ali Tyson and uh, Roy Jones. Okay. Okay. How about kickboxer? Kickboxing. Yeah. I have. I, I gotta take myself out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, um, 
uh, kickboxers, it, it has to be uh, uh, Ernesto Hoost and Rob Kamen. Okay. Okay, how about favorite MMA guy to watch? Uh, it has to be... Um, Thank you, Tyrone. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. It has to be uh, Sugar Rashad Evans, Wanderlei Silva, and Fedor Emelianenko. See, I was joking off. I was going to cut you off and just end the whole thing and to make it sound like you said it, but you were really going to save me. See, Tyrone, that's... That, that's love yes, right there. Yes. That's love. Oh, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Who is the best striker in MMA? Oof. Um, probably is, is going to be Israel Adesanya. Okay. How about in the heavyweight division? In the heavyweight division, I mean, most powerful striker is, is probably, you know, Francis Ngannou and Technically and, and powerful, I have to go with my boy Jersinho Rosenstruck. Mm, okay, okay, okay. That's interesting. Okay. Um, who is your favorite boxer to watch currently? Currently, um, it has to be in the heavyweight division. I like it's it's so hard, but I have to go with. With Joshua and, and um, Fury. You said Fury? Yeah, Tyson Fury. Tyson and Fury. The, but it, overall, just in boxing, um, not just the heavyweight division, I got to go with, uh, with um, Tank, Jerfonta Davis. Okay. Okay. Um who what did you what made you jump from kickboxing to MMA to now boxing like why didn't you just say you know what I mean why don't you say you know what MMA after kickboxing is where I want to stay at what made you go to boxing would you want to be Bo Jackson? Oh, I can't I can't cut because <laughs> uh, I, uh, I can because <laughs> yes, I can because I can not everybody can do it you know it's a it's a big it's a big transition. It's a, it's a challenge. Um, you know, um, when I first moved down here to, to Florida, all, all because of you and uh, my other brother, King Mo, who, who introduced me and made it possible, um, after a, a few months that I was down here, uh, a few of the uh, fight, fight game reporters give me the, gave me the nickname, the Bo Jackson of combat sports. And, you know, at the, at the time, I was like, Bo who? I, I didn't know much about the history of Bo Jackson and what it stands for. But I, I found out, and it, it's a huge honor to be compared to Bo Jackson in, in that aspect. Uh, not, not, you know, not for the accomplishments or whatever, but just being able to adapt to another discipline like that. So... You know, I, I'm just living up to the hype and, 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 and making it come true. If you had one fight in the UFC, one fight in the UFC, who would that be in what division? It probably had to be against John Jones. It has to be against John Jones? Yeah, because, <laughs> you know... It, uh, for the record, I gotta set something straight, and he is probably one of the best ever to do it. Yeah, he is. He is. He is. If you can fight one person in the past in their prime, who would it be? Ali, Frazier, Ernesto, who? Sammy Shield? Who would it be? Sorry, sorry. You, you, um, you yeah, cut up. Yeah, you, you, you fell through a little bit. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> If you could fight one person in their prime, mm-hmm. from the, in the past, who would it be? Would it be Ali, Frazier, or Nessa Hoos? Who would it be? Man, I, it, it's crazy. I would. I have so much respect for Ali, Mike Tyson, all those guys that I. I wouldn't even want to compete with them, um, and not not because I don't think. 
I can't win because I don't want to win from them. Mm. You know, it, it's mm. it's it's crazy for me as a competitor to say that, but that's how deep my respect goes for for them. You know, I mean, mm. um, they did what they did in their time, and they're the guys that paved the way for us. Um, I, I'm just more looking forward to my own generation right now and the guys that are on top right now that I would want to be, you know, from the guys in the past, I'm thankful for what they did, you know, and I believe nobody could beat them. I believe nobody could beat my, uh, Muhammad Ali, you know. I believe nobody could beat, my, beat Mike Tyson. Uh, that's just, you know, how it is. But, you know, I think, I think for the fans... It would be great to have me in my prime against against Mike Tyson in his prime, because that would be one vicious fight, you know. But yeah, um, you know, um, me myself, you know, I I respect those guys and they did what they had to do uh, to pave the way for us. Yeah. What is your go-to meal after a fight? Um, man, I like I like I like a good burger and fries. Burgers, Simple. fries, and yeah, burgers, fries, and a Coke. All right. All right. Who's the hardest puncher that ever hit you? Who's the hardest punch? Hardest ever? puncher. Like you just hit, hit like, ooh, this is different. I, I accidentally hit myself one time. And I was like, <laughs> Damn, you got some. Who hit me? I was like, who? <laughs> I was like, who, who? I'm surrounded. Who did that? No, oh my um, God. let me think, let me think, uh, man, you, you know, I had, I had over a hundred professional fights, bro. I've been hit a lot by good guys. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a hard question to ask. That's a hard it, question. It's to very, ask. it's very, it's very hard to answer yeah. who hit me the hardest, but I, I think it had to be, um, Nathan Corbett, I mean, the guy hit me and the punch, you know, like normally I got dropped when I, when he hit me. And normally when you get a, a punch and you drop, you don't remember anything. It's just like, okay, a flash knockdown. Mm-hmm. But boy, it hurt. It, it hurt. It hurt. I was like, ow, and I was down. And it, it hurt. He hit, he hit vicious. He had. You know, he had a very strong punch. I probably had to say him. Okay, okay, okay. So which one of your knockouts was your favorite knockout? Because I know my favorite knockout of yours, but which one is your favorite knockout? Man, <laughs> again, I got <laughs> I got over 80, 80 knockouts, brother. I know. I mean... Well, since you can't name one, I'll name my favorite knockout of yours. My favorite knockout of yours... Had to be the one where the guy comes out and he drops you in the first round of the kickboxing match we in New York City. And, and your coach is like, keep your hands up. He's like, yeah, yeah, I got this. And he comes out and he catches you with a right hand out the gate. And you come off the canvas soaking poles. We couldn't tell how rocked you is, but the guy swarmed you. And the next thing you know, you just chopped him down with an overhand right that just sent his soul right to hell. <laughs> it, it, it was, he was gone. He was gone. I was like, nah, we ain't going out like that. <laughs> We're in New York, baby. Yeah, so like that. I, I mean that that's one of the, the knockouts of myself that went viral. I mean, it, it it's been a few years now and every other few months it keeps popping up on every other big media outlet and goes viral. So I mean that that probably is one of the knockouts that the people like the most because of the excitement uh, of me. Um, I wasn't dropped; I slipped. I mean, he got me good with that punch, but I was it was more off balance thing, and that's the mistake he made. He thought I was very hurt, and he came out a little reckless, and um, that gave me the the opening shot to land that hell mary on him. Mm-hmm. That was a hell mary indeed. Uh, when can we expect to see you back in the ring, Tyrone? I mean, I mean, man, I'm, you know me. I'm always game to fight. Um, You know, we're we're in talks now, um, and and trying to set up a fight. 
uh, hopefully by the end of the year now, uh, how things are looking. Um, uh, we're going to announce it once it's done, but you know, it's it's frustrating and it's kind of demotivating because I've been doing this for such a long time. You don't want to... Um, I've been training my whole life, so I don't want to be training if I don't, don't always have something set in stone, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's not like I'm doing nothing, but uh, I'm not going to be killing my body, going all out uh, if nothing is set in stone. But I'm maintaining now and uh, hopefully we'll have some news soon because... Uh, a lot of people, you know, hit me up on my social media, posting questions or when do you fight? We want you to fight this guy. We want you to fight that guy. And uh, it seems people always like to see me fight whoever. Um, they always want me to fight, man. <laughs> so um, I'm, uh, I hope that I could, you know, entertain my fans soon and, and, and put on an exciting, exciting performance for you guys. Absolutely. We look forward to uh, seeing you get back and get active again. Let's take a jump down to UFC fight night, Brunson versus Shabazian, which is coming up this weekend back in Vegas uh, to start off this series of fights. Derek Brunson versus Edmund Shabazian. Uh, A great matchup. Um, Shabazian coming in with a lot of hype, 11 and 0, 22 years old. And this kid is phenomenal. There's just no other way to say it. Um, he can do it all. Uh, striking is, is on point. Um, his groundwork is on point. His grappling is on point. His transitions to each and every single different technique and different discipline is on point as well, too. His fight acumen IQ is all very sharp. Uh, this kid is looking... Like he could be the future, but he's got a very tough, tough test in front of him. Man, you, you, Derek you, Brunson. You see, you you fall for the hype. No, no, I'm saying that this this sounds <laughs> like like we're 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 talking about uh, the new uh, generation of complete MMA fighters. You know, back in the day, um, you had, and that was what was so compelling to the UFC because it was more something of style versus style. You know, we had we had a boxer uh, coming in to the MMA cage. You had a karate guy. You had a wrestler. You had a, a Greco guy. You had a, a jiu-jitsu guy um, that each of them had to transit into MMA, learn striking, either learn grappling, uh, learn uh, wrestling. And this is one of the guys from the generation where they started off in the MMA discipline doing everything and that's what he is a result of you know he's he's a complete MMA fighter like you just said uh, you almost can't detect any flaws his transition is good his striking is good his grappling is good his fight IQ is good um, so he's a very promising prospect again I'm I'm a guy that I'm I come from the old school so I don't you know to me, everything is hype until you prove it against a, a game opponent. And he finally has one now uh, against uh, against Derek Brunson. Um, very explosive guy, Derek. Uh, is a personal friend of mine. Uh, so I'm not going to try to be biased at all. I know it's it's a very dangerous fight for uh, for Derek. But, it, uh, you know, Simon Tange, it, it is a, a dangerous fight for, uh, for for his opponent as well. Um, you know, we, we got to see, man, this is a young puppy and, and, um, I'm, I'm a good guy outside of the ring and the cage, but inside I'm a bully. And, and, and that's exactly what I told, told, uh, Bronson, you know, you gotta, you gotta go in there. And if he wants to play with the big dogs, welcome him, you know, give him hell, make him work. You know, he's never been here. Um, and, 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 you know, just bully him, beat him up, you know, and, and, and make him pay for every mistake that he makes. Cause, um, he's not experienced as you are, but at the same time, it's just going to be a very dangerous fight for Derek. But at the same time, it's a dangerous fight for, uh, Sabazi as well. 
Yeah, Derek Brunson um, is two and two in his last four fights. Uh, his two prior to his last two wins that got him on his winning streak were two TKO finishes by Jacare in Israel. And we've seen the effects of those fights in the confidence after those fights. You know, um, it seemed like like Derek struggled to get his confidence back again, you know, and it seemed since then though, since he, he since his fight back with I guess uh Theodoro, which was a which was a fight where he struggled with, you know, it was an ugly fight, but uh Elias is a very hard fighter to fight. You know what I'm saying? He he's yeah. he he's he doesn't look as good as he he actually yeah. is. And that's and that's the hard part when you're fighting somebody like like him because you can get well frustrated just trying to beat him because you like, like he's like a smaller version of uh Olenek. Yeah, 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 that's exactly it. Like he like he just has one of those styles that'll give you some complications. So uh that was that was a fight to you know kind of get him back. But the fight against Ian Heinish, where you know um it, it was a good win against a tough opponent, he showed that he's back in a big way and he showed that he's not gonna accept that role as, as just being the um as being a uh gatekeeper. A, a gatekeeper a gatekeeper and yeah. um now he, he's got his work cut out against shabazian but I, I think i think right now what uh brunson needs to do is he needs to be offensive more than anything and get that jab going i think a lot of times brunson get, gets caught in the counter game a little bit and and uh um, yeah. when, when and then he starts just like winging punches when he becomes overwhelmed but i think if he he starts to systematically use his his jab along with his great attributes his fakes and feints and his his ability to to look you know slick in there that will keep um a a young guy like shabazian at bay for a bit you know i mean you know derek is a specimen of a of a human being he's so athletic he's so he's so um explosive um, like you said, the mental game, a lot of fighters don't understand. And I figured this out as a young boy um, in the fight game is that a lot of things are, um, it, it, it's 60-40 for me. 60% is mentally, 40% is physically. Um, and um, I figured this out because I had a training partner back in the day when I was like 15 years old and we grew up together till you know, till I was in my 20s and um, eventually moved down here. I used to train with him. And he was a guy that was not super technical. He was not a pretty fighter, but he he was vicious and he always won by knockout. And uh, he had a normal job. Um, he worked his night shift and everything, but he was so game. And I learned from it. I, I watched because he would come out from a night shift and this is real talk and this this is the mentality that I'm missing you know because that's how I grew up he came out from his night shift pack his shit and drive to the arena himself go out against a top 10 opponent and knock them out and that was all mental you know he he didn't have this this fancy training camp and everything he was just training you know whenever he could he trained hard and he was game and mentally he thought he was invincible and he just he came in there to break you and knock you out you know so it's it's 60 40 um uh to me and you see that with Derek it's mo it's more it's more of a mental thing than anything else because he has everything else. You know, he, he's explosive. He's super strong. Um, he, he's fast. So he just has to go in there and use all of that and put himself in a mental state that he's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to knock this guy out. I'm going to put the pressure on him. And I'm not going to let this young kid come in here and, and take my W. All right, uh, moving on the ladder, we have in a co-main event, Joanne Calderwood, who's stepping in. Um, you know, she's an one contender, and she's not going to sit and wait on the uh, on the sidelines any longer. And, it's, it, and she's going against a Jennifer Maya. 
Uh, great matchup. And, and, and hats off to Calderwood, as I was saying, you know, um, a lot of fighters in her position would have been like, hey, uh, let me wait and let me get this title shot. But she wants to stay active. And we've seen in the age of the pandemic, you know, staying active, being an active fighter is, is where, it's, you know, this is paying off huge dividends. And uh, moving down, we have uh, Vincent Luque versus Randy Brown. Uh, Vincente, 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 uh, very, very tough fight against Randy Brown. Randy Brown's a really, really tough fight, a long fighter, long stretched out fighter, great range, great promise, great explosive ability, a lot of belief in himself. Uh, and then we have Lana Venado versus Bobby Green, a rematch. Both these guys are in great position because they kind of like have um, went on similar paths since their last fight. So this fight has a lot of implication because it determines what trajectory they're going to go. Are they going to go and be the guy who's fighting the gatekeeper role, or are they going to start moving ahead and start getting some better fights? And then we have the Kevin Holland and Trevor Giles, Kevin Holland stepping in on short notice to fight uh, Trevor Giles. Uh, Trevor Giles is supposed to fight Pac, um, but he couldn't get into the country for uh, visa issues. But now we have Kevin Holland. And I think that is kind of, that fight is, is a tougher fight for, um, for Trevin Giles than he originally had. Kevin Holland is a very tough fighter, extremely long, extremely tough. So it's going to be a long night out. Um, Tyrone, you got any, anything on, on, these, on the fight night? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I like the uh, Vincente Luque fight. I think it's going to be a very entertaining fight. He's never in a boring fight. Um, just look at his track record. Always uh, brings it. Um, a very complete fighter, uh, his striking and his grappling on point. Um, I like uh, Kevin Holland as well. Uh, very young, uh, promising prospect. Um, I just think it's going to be a very entertaining night of fights again. And uh, we got to be thankful for the UFC putting on these shows for, uh, for us uh, to enjoy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tyrone, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on this podcast today and thank you for joining us um where could the people find you thank you guys for having me um the guys can follow me all the the the, the people can follow me on on my instagram or twitter it's at tyrone underscore spawn and that's tyrone with an e <laughs> so um you know um I just missed a call from my coach. Maybe he has a fight. I don't know. I'm going to call and find out. Yeah, all right. Hopefully, hopefully you got some good news next time we talk back with you. But for me and Tyrone, we are out. And as we say, as my boy BC would say, we got two words. We out. We out, boy. <laughs> <laughs>